about it. It's my strength. It's good to be strong, isn't it? And it's good to be uh, strengthened. And I'm trusting that you're here today uh, prepared to be strengthened. Uh, man, we had a great time at camp. Kids camp was a blast. Can I just tell you a quick story? I have some of the kids in here I can see, and it was so, so much fun. I'm talking kids camp like little kids, uh, 7 to about 10. And I have never been to kids camp before. My first time, I'm a youth pastor, so I'm, I'm used to hanging out with teenagers. And we had some kids from our church, a big group, the biggest group that we've had go to kids camp. Johanna needed some help. And um, I said, hey, sign me up. Let's go. Let's go do this kids camp thing. It was from Sunday after church last week to Wednesday. And and up at Camp Red Cliff, there's your, you've got your cabins. You have the girls' cabins over here. You've got the boys' cabins on that side. And the cabins sleep about 12. And our, our boys filled up one cabin. We had the deluxe cabin, didn't we? Because it was the bigger one. And it was me and Henry inside this cabin. Henry Searson, oh man, God bless that man. He is a champion. Um, hey, let's give him a round of applause, Al. You may not know, uh, but Henry is just, uh, he, he has just got a fun personality. He's got the joy of the Lord. And anytime you, you're seeing him walking around the church, he does a lot of maintenance stuff. He's whistling, he's, he's humming, he's just, and he, he just expresses joy. So he was perfect to be up there with these kids who just have a lot of energy, a lot of fun. And we're up there, and at night they have this, uh, after the chapel services, after all the fun and games, and kids, I mean, they are tired because this kid camp goes all day long till about 11 o'clock at night. That's a long day for these little kids. How many know, like, tired kids get a little goofy? How many of us get a little goofy? And when you're with goofy people, you start acting goofy. So during kids camp, we were kind of goofy. And um, at, I don't know why they did this. This is like feeding meat to bulldogs. But the, at this, at the end of chapel late at night, they opened the store. They got little trinkets, little toys that they could buy these kids, you know, and help raise money for uh, BGMC. And one of the toys that was purchased before bedtime was a whoopee cushion. I don't know who was part of the planning meeting to say, hey, this is a good idea. Let's, let's sell whoopee cushions at kids camp. It certainly wasn't one of us. And we're there. The lights are out. Lights are out. You know, and, and kids um, are, are, are so funny. They have this whoopee cushion and they ask permission. Hey, can we put this whoopee cushion under Henry's mattress? They're so nice. And I said, well, guys, of course. And so... Henry, he's got his routine, and he's ready to just kind of get settled in bed, and all the boys are quiet, and they've got their little flashlights and glow sticks, and they're, it's, it's like the most well-behaved they've ever been was waiting for this whoopee cushion to be sat on, and so Henry's walking, and he's puttering, and, he's getting, and it's taken like a half an hour for him, and we're just watching. I'm involved in this, too. You know, I find myself, man, when's he going to sit on? He sits on the bed. He sits on the other. We know right where it's been. He sits on the other side of the, the whoopee cushion, sits on the other side. And we're like, when is this going to happen? The boys are so intent, but it took so long. They they just began to lose like the, the interest and forget that the whoopee cushion's even there. They start chattering and, uh, and you know, Henry climbs to the bed and, you know, the boys thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I found myself laughing. They grabbed that whoopee cushion. You know, it's funny. A whoop, I don't want to go too long. I'm going to extend this out just a little bit. The whoopee cushion sounds the same every time you do it, right? They grab this whoopee cushion and go, and then they just laugh. And then they pass it and then do it again. And it's exact, you know, and they just every time. And it's, it's so funny. And, and Henry and I begin to start chuckling because they think it's so funny. We're like, and finally, Henry's like, okay, guys, boys, don't you think it's, it's getting a little old? And the seven-year-old, uh, Jonas, says, how can it be old? I just bought it yesterday. So, <laughs> I mean, we have so many stories with kids camp. I mean, that's just the surface of it. And boy, Henry and I, we sure laughed a lot, you know. It was a great time. And I tell you, we were strengthened because there's just a lot of joy at kids camp. And those kids are worshipers. And Jackson and I, we had a great time. And it was just good. Thank you for sending your kids to kids camp. Jay Reisner, a wonderful missionary to Africa, has a TV show, has ministered to millions, literally, and is just a, is a traveler. He spoke to the kids on a dynamic 
level. We are going to be having Jay Reisner come with us and share with us in the future. I've connected with him. We are going to have him. I said, you have to come to our church because I'm getting more fed than I think these kids are. He was fantastic. So I can't wait for um, us to experience what some of the kids experience at kids camp in the future. So be looking forward to that. Before we go any further, let's pray. God, do your work in us today. We release everything that is holding us back in Jesus' name. Amen. This series that we're talking through is Deal With It. How many of us have things that we just need to deal with? Turn to your neighbor and say, deal with it. All right. Some of you may not want to deal with it. Now, turn to your other neighbor and say, deal with that. All right. We're here. Because we need to deal with things, and hopefully every single week we're challenged to deal with things, and that's all what God's Word is, is just challenging us to deal with things. Because we're humans. We are human beings that are trying to have a spiritual encounter. And it's outside of our natural realm uh, to tap into God, because God is supernatural. We're not very super at times, correct? And so we're inviting God to do a super natural work in us to a lot of times eliminate the natural and how many times do we hold on to the natural so much that we we denote the super part of god god's a pretty super god isn't he and and by that he he does things that are outside of the norm right so us christians really shouldn't be all that normal you're not normal turn the, turn to your other per, person behind you say you're weird dude no, 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 don't do that. God is supernatural and we are natural beings having um, some reconstructive work constantly, right? I mean, that's what God does. He sharpens us and iron sharpens iron. When iron sharpens, there you, get, you get rid of those metal shavings that don't need to be the rough edges. How many of us have rough edges? Amen, right? Um, we all have rough edges that God is sharpening in us and we need God's work to do it. How many of us has tried to sharpen ourselves and without God and it just makes things rougher around the edges? I'm like, man, I just, the more I try, the harder it gets. Dealing with it. That's part of the sharpening. So today we're going to be dealing with it. Last time we talked about dealing with bad attitude. Now that's kind of a general statement of saying, hey, We're humans with bad attitudes, and we need to work on a whole plethora of things. And some of us fit in that category of there's just too much to talk about in a half an hour of so many variety of things. And we may be thinking, that's not us. That's that person behind us. But don't look behind you. We have things that we need to look at. And this is really introspective. I love introspective because it's time for us to look at the person in the mirror. And that's what the, that's, I love God's word because it's the only book that you don't read. The book reads you, right? And tells you what things need to be brought out and sharpened and strengthened. And there's nature, the human nature and the character. You know, since we've been born, there's just something in us that just wants to go against God. And that's our human nature. And so we're talking about things that are the human motion. We are really digging into some roots here. Now, there's two things that are going on in your life constantly. There's three voices. Number one, there's God's voice, right? We want to listen to that. We're, we're here to listen to God's voice. Two, there's Satan's voice that's always competing against that, correct? And third, there's your voice. It's our voice. That's who we are. That's, that's, that's the person that makes the choices, know who we're decided we're going to listen to. So it can be a little bit complex and confusing because we have so many voices shouting at us. Plus, you have this, the world shouting at us, right? There's so much. We have to decipher what is truth. And inside of us, there's an internal wrestling and a, and a struggle. And a lot of that comes from the human emotion. Let's agree that there's human emotion that sometimes get in the way of God, of understanding God's word, or following God's word because of our human emotion. And in fact, it can be opposite or even just doesn't matter what your mind says because you know you can hear God's voice, but your emotion isn't following that, correct? So this could be a really dynamic um, uh, a struggle that's happening inside of us. And all of us struggles, and we're dealing with some of these struggles. And it's not just surface stuff. We're going into the roots. And there's two, two trees in our life. There's the tree of life and there's the tree of well, the human nature that it leads to death. Correct? And every day we get decisions that we get to choose. I'm going to pluck from this tree and it's going to give me life and it's going to sustain me. Or I'm going to be disobedient and plug from this tree and it's going to feed my flesh. 
And the question isn't whether we, uh, what we are picking, but why we are making these decisions. And a lot of decisions that we're making is emotional, and we have emotional responses to something that is deeper than just the response, correct? And we're going to figure this out together. And this topic today is dealing with anger. Dealing with anger. How many of us can identify with anger that you've been angry before in your life? Just raise your hand for me. You've, you've, done with, you've dealt with anger. Joni, you, you don't have to, okay? We, we already know. You, you've never been angry. Um, but for the rest of us, anger is a human emotion that we have um, to have in check before. And God talks a lot about anger. And I think that there is a misconception of what anger really is. I think that if we look at the two trees and the fruit that is bearing from the tree, you have a, a good tree that bears good fruit and a tree that bears bad fruit, a bad fruit or a bad tree bears bad fruit. And we think, OK, anger is listed on the bad tree. And anger is something that we're taught as a young kid that we shouldn't be angry. Don't get upset. Go to your room. All this sort of stuff that we taught. We're taught at a young age that anger is bad. Now, we're going to deal with the issue of anger. But there is circumstances, there's in instances that um, we need to talk about today to change our perspective about anger. We've all experienced this emotion. We've all been upset. And it's something that comes up in us. And I want us to first know that we're not necessarily dealing with the expression of anger. We are dealing with the with the heart behind the anger. Anger isn't always bad. We see that God has wrath. It's a pretty scary thing. And it's something that we need to understand that we sometimes forget that God is a, a judge and that there is wrath. We see Jesus was an example for us as Christians. And we see that all of the good things and the miracles and blessings and teachings that he did. But we almost sometimes forget that Jesus tipped over tables and was kicking people out of church with whips. It's a pretty serious emotion. And yet Jesus didn't sin. God isn't sinning. In fact, God is love. So this can be a little bit confusing for us to wrestle with. Who is God? How am I supposed to handle this emotion of anger? We see that there is such a thing called righteous anger. And let me just quite frankly say there are things as Christians that we should be upset about and probably more angry about. Specifically, sin, sin in the world, compromise. These are things that we should get just as upset as Jesus did. I'm not saying that we go and we start tipping over tables and start whipping people. But if that starts happening inside the church, you better believe there's going to be a reaction that's going to drive those people out. There's so many tragic things in the world that are contrary to God's word that is destructive to people. And God loves people. And there are abuses. There are are, um, I mean, we need to be upset about sin encroaching into families, into communities, into governments. We, we need to be, have righteous anger. We need to be upset about the things that God is upset about. And it's okay. And here's why. Because anger, ultimately, righteous anger, proves love. Hang with me. You really can't have authentic, real love without hate. That's perking up some ears because we don't like that word hate. We hate the word hate. It's true in our culture. We just don't want to do that. We love, acceptance, love, embrace, everything. All that is just love, love, love. And we say God is love, God is love. That's true. But there are things that God hates, correct? And there are destructive things that that, that uh, are in society, humans, the human heart, um, things that, that God hates because it's destructive. He wouldn't love us if he didn't hate what is destroying us. It's the same thing. You wouldn't truly love your son or daughter if you loved the drugs that they were addicted to. You, you hate the drugs because you know what it's doing to that person's life of that person that you love so much. And so you get angry and you get upset about the right reasons. You have a righteous 
anger towards sin. We have a human side of us that's the, that, that can get in the way. Our human emotions are pretty fragile. And many times we, we opt out to reflect anger because our human emotions have been hurt. The emotions of you and I are, are pretty delicate at times. So when we respond in anger, typically there's a deeper hurt that's behind that anger. First one is rejection. Nobody likes rejection or criticism, but when you face criticism and rejection from others, especially with those who are close to you, you get hurt and you respond with defenses and typically a defense of anger. That anger is a human emotion that we are tempted to fall into. That's not necessarily sinful to feel that way or to respond in anger, but that is the human emotion that comes out inside of us. We have human emotions that come out when we are uh, unfulfilled. There are things in our lives that just doesn't work out. You're not in a position where you feel like you should be. There, you're dissatisfied. And so you live in this state of just unhappy, joyless life. And that will, will just ultimately produce an angry life. An unfulfilled life. And this type of unfulfillment in our lives by what we see on the outside, our job, our people that we're surrounded with, or where we're living at, or just in our, our family, or just whole different dynamics there. If we are unfulfilled in this, anger is just going to come out. Frustration is going to come out. And so when people address you, it's going to come across as you're an unhappy, angry person because of unfulfillment. You see, we're, ta- we're tackling the roots. Why do people respond the way that they do? It's not just a response, but there's something tied to that emotional pain and hurt. Correct? It's really a big topic. As an emotion of humans, we're threatened uh, all the time. And it's kind of like a frightened feeling. We're frightened by others or we feel like people are attacking us. So there's a, the emotion of, uh, of fear. And this is really stemmed from a low confidence or a self-feeling um, uh, insecure this insecurity is in all of us. And I will, it's, I will say that the worst people of this that I have found, it seems to me, and I don't mean this in a negative way, I just see it happening as in pastors. Pastors seem to be some of the most insecure. And I get it, I understand, because t- the pastors tackle a lot. And they have to be guarded to um, not be um, hold on to these. But insecurities can come in. Insecurities can uh, uh, settle into the heart. And that will cause us to have a defense mechanism of being threatened by others. And so when you're having a bad day or you don't feel good or you don't feel like you want to come to church and you feel like this, you have a low confidence or self-esteem or something that's coming in and you've got doubt and you're starting to wrestle with your own self-image or self-worth and you come to church and nobody talks to you and nobody says hi to you and nobody shakes your hand during greeting time and you leave out those doors without somebody saying something you're like, man, they are purposely ignoring me. And we start responding, not out of truth, but out of our insecurities. And say, I'm not going back to that church because they're just not a friendly church. Right? And so we begin to have anger. We start, talk, we, we start creating in our mind, in our heart, a destructive pattern of emotions, of anger that starts swelling up. And inside of us, anger obviously leads into bitterness. And bitterness, we hold on to that, just, just in, in prolongs and turns into resentment. And, oh man, I would never recommend anybody to that church. Right? Because we're operating out of our own insecurities being threatened and we begin to operate out of, we allow anger to settle in and live and plant roots inside of us. And whatever is rooted will be produced. There's two questions that we need to ask. Why do we get angry? The human emotions, these are some areas that we have talked about why we get angry as humans. The second question that we're going to spend most of our time on today is when does my anger become sinful? Because I think that's a big question for a lot of us. And I think quite honestly, we just don't want to know. We don't want to know. Because I don't want to go down that road of really knowing or for somebody telling me when my my sin has, or I mean when my anger has turned into sin. We know that anger itself, the emotion, is not sinful because it says, in your anger, do not sin. We see the uh, expression of God with anger. 
There's not sin and anger, but what is tied to it, that's where I want to deal with the roots where it becomes sinful. There's quite an exhaustive list today. It's not just your typical three points, and, but we have about eight things I want to uh, cover really quickly. So it's going to be a little bit fast. If you have your pen and paper, you're going to want to write these down. There's some scripture verses that we want to highlight today. But this is something that is really going to be God speaking to all of us. Because we all are human and we all need to kind of keep this in check. My hand, my right hand, my pinky. There's a bone right here that has been causing me a little bit more pain and discomfort recently. In the last few years. And it just seems to be getting worse. And I don't know if I, what I can do about it. But this, this hand is broken right here. And it's curved like a banana right here. This one's straight. This one's curved. I used to have um, issues with anger and anger really turned into rage inside of me as a teenager. I was very upset. I rebelled. I was pretty, um, I just wasn't happy. And I was raised in a Christian's home or Christian home. I was uh, raised in a pastor's home and I had some turmoil as teenagers do at times. I didn't uh, deal with this anger appropriately. In fact, I lashed out and I rebelled and I was, uh, I got into a lot of trouble and thank the Lord for his grace and thank the Lord for laws of you have to be 18 before you're well we'll just keep going (laughs) anger is something that I've had to deal with this is broken here because um, I just didn't have a good handle on my emotions and um, school was difficult for me I and I it was so hard and I there was so much emotion in me because I just felt it was just hard for me you know I felt trapped, and I, I had, was so frustrated with oh, homework and math and, and this, and I punched my math book. <laughs> you know, I just, you get that, I just, I don't know how to express myself. I'm in tears as a teenager, and I don't know how to, to handle the emotions as a teenager, and I, and, I, and I just punch as hard as I can, and I snapped the bone right here. And... And it's something that I've had, you know, I, they went to the doctor and they said, what happened? And I said, well, I caught my hand at the door. I didn't want to tell him that I was angry and punched a math book, right? So anger is something that really is just kind of inside. And I have to make sure I'm guarded against this. Um, it's, it's something that seems to be there. I do go to the gym because it does help me emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I feel it's a benefit for me all around. And God just kind of uses that time. And, and together, God and I have a good relationship at the gym. That's just me. That's just what I, I use that for. And that helps me. Um, and so this, this, all of these, every single message that I preach um, always applies to me because I'm, I'm preaching from just experience um, always. And so um, I want us to just kind of know that this is a... Um, this is something that we all have to deal with at times. And some, some of you, this is a really a struggle. It's really a struggle. And I'll tell you, it's probably affected the way that you, your confidence in God in you, in God's power in you, in the grace and the presence of God and the peace of God. And maybe it's kind of robbed who you feel like you are. Maybe you don't feel like you're what God says you are and you feel more like the angry person inside. I just want to release you today before I even start is that, hey, God... God knows you, God sees you, and he sees that, and that person that comes out of you is not you. That, that, that emotion is not you. You are not defined by that, you are saved by that, and that's where you need the grace in that area, and you need to grow in that area, and that's the area that you sharpen. Amen? And it's okay, it's okay. When does anger turn sinful? It's a big question. So here we go. We're going to go this pretty quickly. When my personal testimony of Christ suffers, you're a representative of Christ. You and I are an example. You might be the only Jesus that people see. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of who Christ is in us when we have unrighteous anger. How many of us have had unrighteous anger when our favorite sports team is losing? Jed? Just kidding. Uh, we just we just coached Jackson's baseball team. Myself, Katie, Joey, Jackson. It was a family event. It was so much fun. But man, the emotions of just 
getting out there playing ball. You you play with those kids, and you know we didn't get upset, but you you could see how man you you come on boys, pick that ball up, you know, and encouraging them without getting angry. You know you don't want to get angry at these boys. And there was one moment um, where Delo was was um, not paying attention, and I had to yell out. Delo, pay attention. I think it was just that expression of like, oh, I could feel the emotion behind me saying that was not good. There was a time where a fan, a parent from the other team began to heckle our boys, you know, and, that, you know, heckle me as a coach, not these little kids, you know, and I could feel that sort of like tension raising up. So I get it. But it becomes a sin when our, pers- our personal testimony of Christ suffers. Number two, when does, when does anger become sin? When, it, when my anger hurts others. Matthew says this. You've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. This is pretty serious. And, and, and Jesus really kind of flips the, the, the tables here. It's not about your actions. It's about the heart behind the actions. Correct? Some translations will say hate, using the word hate your brother. It's just the emotion of what we are tying that to someone else. How does that hurt others? Does your anger, does our anger hurt? Is it directed towards others in a hateful way, in an angry way? I have had to apologize to my wife and to my kids because I have reacted in anger at times that have hurt them. We have said things, and I've had to apologize. Jackson, I'm sorry, man, that I said that. I did not mean to, to, to say those words. You know, Katie, I apologize. I didn't mean to react in that way. And Joey, I, please forgive me. I didn't mean to, to, to respond to you in that way. Our words hurt, and those intentions of trying to express your anger through hurt is always sinful. Three, when we lose control. Galatians is very clear about what this is and the fruit of the Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. When our anger gets out of control, that's when it's crossed the line. When our anger just flies off, right? You ever been there? It just goes and goes and you're just like, I'm so angry. It's like the emotion has got the best of me and it's just there. And now it's on. It's just like a freight train. You just have a hard time reeling that back in. When it's out of control, that's when we need to step back and say, God, forgive me. Anger becomes sinful when it controls me. These two really work together because when you're out of control, you're not operating out of the spirit of God. You're operating out of the spirit of the human nature of anger specifically. So you're out of control, but actually there's, you're letting go of control and you're giving something else control. So then anger begins to control you. Begins to control your words. Begins to control your body language. Get, begins to control your voice inflection. Begins to control your thoughts. Begins to control your heart. And you just become angrier and angrier. And you just can't stop it and you're out of control. Why? Because you've given control to something that you shouldn't have. And God says, let my spirit control you. Let him produce this in your life. But that takes a cognitive attitude of making sure that we don't give power to the wrong spirit in our life. We're out of control. Then we just begin to produce things in our lives that doesn't produce the fruit from the good tree. It produces fruit from the bad tree. Bitterness and resentment begin to live and begin to dwell. And guess what? Fruit from the bad tree still tastes good, but it's destructive. In the beginning, in the garden, there was a tree that was looked good and pleasing to the eye. It didn't look bad and good for eating. It tastes good to be angry and hold resentment. It just feels good. But it's never beneficial. And it will never produce godly things in our lives that you want. And many times we go years with nursing a hurt or nursing this anger. But we won't call it an anger. We will call it as something that somebody else did. 
And so we will have this anger or hatred towards someone else. But actually, it's just a bad fruit in our lives. And we keep partaking, we keep eating and ingesting and digesting the thoughts. We keep digesting the hurt and the feelings. And God is saying, I have got so much more for you to digest than bad fruit. I've got something that is nourishment to your soul, but I can't give that to you as long as you're holding this basket of rotting fruit. You need to set down that basket and you need to hold this fruit basket that is ripe, that is good and is full of flavor and will give you so much joy. But we're holding on to so much garbage that there's no room in our lives and our arms to receive what God has already placed there. But we just can't hold it because we're holding on to too much of the bad stuff. That was a very weak clap. You know, we're clapping for the Lord when he's speaking to us, right? And it's a good thing. And can I just say, clapping when we're having a a conversation about anger, that's pretty good. And I'm, I'm thankful that we can hear this and digest this. Number six, when anger prevents us from forgiving others, this is huge. It's big and these are hard. You're digging into the roots here. Colossians, since God chose you to be holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility. Here we go again. Gentleness and patience. You must make allowance. I want you to say you must. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Bible is extremely clear. There's no ambiguity here. There's no, well, I read that differently. Or there's no mistranslation here. He makes it so clear for us because I believe that unforgiveness is one of the most destructive things that we have. And anger and bitterness or uh, unforgiveness work very, very close. Because you really can't forgive someone if you're holding on to that anger. Or choosing to hold on to that anger. If you don't forgive others... God's not going to forgive you. These aren't my words. These are God's. And sometimes I wish he didn't say these things. Because it's tough. All of us have been hurt. All of us have had somebody do something to us that was wrong. And it hurt. And it's, there's a requirement for us to let go of that anger towards that person. And it's so difficult. But here's the part of surrendering our lives over to Jesus the moment that we come to the altar, the moment that you were in your bedroom, the moment that you had that quiet time with God, wherever you were, where you said, God, I am surrendering my life over to you. That was the point that you made a decision, correct, to surrender. The surrender isn't just at the altar. The surrender is every day of our lives, every aspect of our lives, the thoughts and the intentions of our heart that we surrender over to God. So when we read these things like forgiveness and forgiving those who have hurt us and forgiving the offense, then we begin to say, okay, God, I'm not going to follow after what my heart says. I'm going to follow after what your heart says, because my emotion is reading this and saying, there's no way that's right. This can't feel He doesn't know how hard this is for me. I lay awake. I have cried for weeks. I have been hurting for years. And I can't just forgive that person. God, you're asking me to do something impossible. That's when we surrender. And we say, God, I'm looking at your word. I'm looking at what you say, not what I say. I'm looking at what your heart is and not my heart. I'm looking at the emotions of what you have, God, for me. And I want more of what you have. And I am surrendering to you, God, my emotions of hurt and unforgiveness. And I will forgive to the best of my ability. And I need your help to do that. And I will begin to pray for my enemies who have hurt me. Not that God would smite them or kill them, but that God would bless them. Lord, help me in my prayer life that I can do that for them because, God, I can't. It 
It's a pretty powerful incentive to be reminded of what God has forgiven us to forgive others. And that this is not just an option or suggestion, but it is really a command. And God has forgiven you and forgiven you and forgiven you. Number seven, anger is sinful when it leads to retaliation. You've heard it. I've heard it. Don't get mad. Get even. Don't get mad. Get even. We live in a revenge society. Get revenge. You deserve it. Shame on them. Get after them. It's your right. You're justified. Really what we're saying is we're bragging about dysfunction emotionally. We are taking into our hands what is God's. We begin to play the outcome of what God is in control of. And we begin to take control of that. And we begin to celebrate something. We begin to pursue something that is not the heart of God. And it is so easy to retaliate. Retaliation in the defense, right? We defend. We defense. We go on the attack. We attack because we want to retaliate. Hey, they hurt me. I'm going to hurt them. This is not the standard of the model of God. And we begin to think, well, I can't just sit here and take this. God offers a better way. God offers the best way. Paul, the writer of Romans in chapter 12. I love Romans. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. That's pretty serious. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. Know that verse and you could say, guess what? God is going to have to deal with this and he's going to have to deal with you. And I'm going to leave that in God's hands. And in the meantime, I'm going to continue to surrender to God. And I'm going to pray as God is asking me to pray. But I'm going to leave the outcome. I'm going to leave the scoreboard. I'm not going to keep count. I'm not going to keep track. I'm going to just let God handle the outcome of everything in my life, even the offenses. And leave that at the altar. Leave that at his feet. Let him take care of it. Because honestly, who would you rather take care of it, you or God? It's easier and more desirable at times in our human nature to say, I will take care of this. But in the end, there's so much more blessings when we let God take control. Anger becomes sinful when it reduces other people, the other person. The Bible is very clear on all of these, especially these last two. We're to love God and we are to love God. Others. We never knew it'd be so hard. Something so easy. Just love God and love others. How many of us just need help loving that one person? (coughs) Right? We do. Thankfully, we can call upon the Holy Spirit who's your helper. We can call upon God to produce patience to produce love because there's moments in your life there are people in your life that maybe are just unlovable and unbearable but we just say god help us to love them the way you love them give us a new heart help us not to reduce other people when our anger results in someone else being degraded it is in direct Opposition of God's word. I love this again. And these are the New Living uh, Translation. And I love this. I've picked this specifically. Is don't just pretend to love others. See, we're talking about a heart. Don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate. I mean, hate. What is wrong? Hold on to tightly what is good. Just love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. How do we honor each other? How do we love each other? How do we respect each other? Hold on to those good things that they have. The good things that that you possess and the other person possesses. Genuinely pursue love. The result of pursuing loving God more will result in loving others more. We continue to press into what God has for us and we continue to ask God to sharpen us in these areas, especially of love, so that we can forgive others, not because of what love we possess, but because of what he puts inside of us. The results of this type of love bring a unity, bring a cohesion together, 
bring a confirmation, bring a level of trust, affirmation, a moving force of the church. A church that is loving like this is moving and it's motivating and it's going because love is the motivating factor. The opposite would be true is that anger is something that is destructive. Let me rephrase that. Ungodly anger, misguided, misdirected anger, sinful anger is destructive to meaningful relationships, meaningful purpose. It will dis, it will derail us. It will cause a loss of influence and a distance from God. My prayer and my hope is that we do two things in recognizing that in the future we're going to have frustrations and anger is going to come up and the temptation to act out in ungodly anger was there. There's two things that we can do. We can stop and we can look. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Stop before we speak. Think about the situation. Don't let our mouths, don't let our hearts, don't let our mind become faster than our words. Stop. Think about who God is. God's love for you. God's love for the other person. Think about a perspective that is biblical. Think about your hurt. And give that over to God. Be slow to speak, not fast to speak. Be quick to listen, not slow to listen. Let's hear from God. Let's speak with reservation. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quickly hold it back. We pray a special prayer for God to help us in this. This is an area in many people's lives that we need to hand over and give over and surrender. I want us to stand together. Some of you are dealing with anger at this moment right now. And when you're thinking about this and it's convic- you know, there's conviction and it's good, it may feel uncomfortable. It might be feeling like, hey, what? You know, has he, has he been checking on me at, on social media? How does he, you know, know this? No, God is just speaking in a healthy way. The blessing of conviction is mo- it motivates you forward, right? The destructiveness of guilt that comes from Satan will hold you back. God is saying, I can change you and this will make you a better person inside of out through my spirit. And I'm convicting you from what is here and present and move you forward. Our prayer together is God, show us the pain and the hurt behind the anger. Not just the moments that we've been angry, but why we responded in anger. Let's dig deep. Let's figure out, God, what do I need to release that I am wanting to hold on to? What are the hurts? What are the emotional pains that has happened to you that you need to say, God, I am giving that over. I do not want this rooted in my life anymore. I want to make room for those roots that you have of your spirit, of your word to dive deeper into my soul. That's a prayer. The view of your situation. The situation that you've seen now or the situation that's been in your past that is still causing pain, that specific situation, that specific person, that specific hurt, we give that over to God. We say, God, I need this pain taken away. I don't want to live in this hurt anymore. That's not what I want. I know that's not what you want. Help me. Number three, we're going to pray for that situation and for that person so that we can be released. How many of us are here? You need that, you need that prayer. Just need those prayers. And we're going to pray together. Yes, yes, 
Just keep your hand up. You don't have to close your eyes. Hey, we're okay. Yes. Yeah. Hey, get you. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Over here. Yes. See you. God bless you. Yes. Hey. Yep. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. 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 Saying yes to your submission and your surrender to God that he is going to start something new at this very moment. God is saying yes to the heart change and the transformation that you are deciding yourself that you want changed inside of you. Nothing can happen until we submit and say, God, change me. We can pray all day long, but until we say, I have a need and only God can do it, nothing will happen. You've already submitted to God in His power. Step two. That specific scenario, situation, conversation, past or present, we're going to pray that God will bring a release that you've been trying to release yourself and it just hasn't worked, but God will do that inside you. This is where we tap into the supernatural God that does something super in you. That's outside of the natural realm. And this is deep for a lot of people. And this today could be a breakthrough in your relationship with God. Where the abundance of God's joy and peace that you've been praying for happens now. I'm going to pray for you. And if you saw somebody with a hand up and you want to stick your hand on their shoulder, you can do that, okay? The point is, is that we're in this together. We are in this together. I'm going to pray for you in this specific area. And this is what I want you to do. When I'm praying in this specific scenario, I want you to think about that person. And I want you to just listen to my words. I want you to begin to let the Holy Spirit just quicken your words. You just speak softly of what what the heart needs to be communicated to God. Your heart. What that is. It could be one word. It could be ten words. It doesn't matter. It could be a name. It could just be speaking that name out of that person. It could just be speaking a date. I don't know. But I will be joining you in this prayer. And then I'm going to ask us to do a repeated prayer for that person of forgiveness and release. This is healing. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're a miracle working God. And the best miracle that you do is inside of us. Lord, I see every single person. We've already counted those who have raised their hands in submission and surrender. I applaud them for being strong enough to look, and look at themselves in the mirror. And it's not easy. To need a change in their heart, in their emotions, in their mind, and in their spirit. God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will break the bondage that Satan has tried to capture them in and confine them. Break open a release of the unforgiveness and the bitterness. And some, some of them have resentment inside of their heart. Obliterate it. Clear it. Cast it away. It's not helpful. Jesus, we receive your love. We receive your grace that is not deserved. Help. The need is great. Take our hearts. Mold them like clay into the shape that you desire. Take away the pain, the wounds. Heal our hearts. Jesus, we give it over to you. We breathe out a freedom of weight. 
we lay it at the cross with your arms stretched wide. We receive your work. In Jesus' name, amen. One last step. We're going to pray together for the other person. We're going to pray together. I'm going to speak. You're going to. We're going to pray to God together. And you're going to repeat. Let's close your eyes. God, you see the pain in heart. God, you see the pain in my heart. That is there because of another person. I recognize that that other person is hurting too. Lord, give me the eyes and the perspective to see them as you do. I ask that you will speak to their hearts, their mind, and bring healing to them. Bless them by your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we've prayed and we just give that over to God. Amen. 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 God bless you. I just believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of Jesus' name. I believe in the power and the authority of Jesus over pain and hurt and destruction of what Satan is trying to attack and kill in you. You know why? And I know why he's out to get you. Because he sees something. I mean, Satan sees something in you that is worth attacking and destroying. You need to believe in yourself that there is something that is inside of you that is worth attacking. Now you need to live out the power of the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ in your life. Today, not tomorrow. Right now. Now is the day. Live in the victory that is settled in your hearts at this very second. Because heaven is rejoicing and so are we. Live in the victory that you have this week and the rest of this month and year in your life. Today's a new day for you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. We will see you at the pool.